from The Conversation. This is Essays on Air, where we bring you the best and most beautiful writing by Australian researchers. Today, Conversation editor Lucinda Beeman is reading you an essay by Mark Gillespie, an anthropologist from the University of Sydney. It's titled, On the Sydney Mardi Gras March of 1978. On a cold Saturday night in Sydney, on June 24, 1978, a number of gay men, lesbians and transgender people marched into the pages of Australian social history. I was one of them. Several protests and demonstrations were organised during June that year to commemorate the 1969 Stonewall Riot in New York and to demand civil rights for Australian lesbians and gay men. Gay activists in San Francisco had asked the Gay Solidarity Group in Sydney for support in their campaigns in California, and the word had got out. A large rally was held in the morning of the 24th of June in downtown Sydney. Campaigners for gay rights, Ron Austin, Lance Gowland and others, suggested a more festive way to celebrate our right to be who we were. And so the idea for a nighttime Mardi Gras was born. At Taylor Square, where we assembled later that day, I recall a crowd of about 150 to 200 people, though the numbers were to swell many times over through the course of the night. The early rainbow nature of the movement was evident, with transgender and Aboriginal people and people from migrant backgrounds all mixing in. We were a diverse and spirited group of a few hundred, mostly younger men and women, ready to march down Oxford Street to Hyde Park, along a strip that was becoming the centre of gay life in Sydney. The atmosphere was more one of celebration than protest. Little did we know that by the end of the night, Many of us would be traumatised, and our lives changed forever. As a young émigré in my 20s, from the Queensland bush, like many gay men and lesbians from the country in those days, I was, in effect, an internally displaced person. We were refugees in our own country. I was renting a studio flat in Crown Street, Darlinghurst at the time, having arrived in Sydney seeking refuge from the never-ending police state of mind that was life under the Joe Bjelke-Peterson Queensland government. All through history, cities have offered people like me a measure of escape from oppression and persecution. But in 1978, even in a big city like Sydney, refuge and security could not always be found. Without even basic human rights, we were always vulnerable. As a high school teacher working for the New South Wales Department of Education, coming out posed a major risk for me. It could mean the loss of my job. For those who were subjected to electric shock treatment in the 1970s at the old Prince Henry Hospital in Little Bay, it could even mean losing your mind. Living a double life was a means of survival, Gay people's lives were wrapped in stigma and shame. The real unspoken tragedy of the times was the loss of the lives of so many wonderful young people who struggled with their sexual identities and unable to deal with all the pain and shame inflicted on them ended up committing suicide. The Stonewall Riot, which had occurred nine years earlier, far away in Greenwich Village on Manhattan in New York, 
marks the modern era of homosexual liberation. This oft-quoted term was popularised as early as 1971 by Dennis Altman, the Australian academic who became a leading voice of the movement. Altman continues today to chronicle and interpret the movement. The violence, unrest and resistance of the Sydney Mardi Gras of 1978 has clear parallels to Stonewall. Back to the march. We started off from Taylor Square in a festive mood. Chants rippled along the marches. Strangers joined hands, and we sought to bring people out of the bars and into the streets to join us. Some did come out of the bars and joined us. Others lined up and watched the parade, but didn't join in. I heard the commonly used Australian put-down of those times. Poofters. Hurled at us. Ratbag poofters, too. When we reached Hyde Park, we were denied entry. Confusion reigned and an officer in authority appeared intent on breaking up the march. His derogatory tone of voice and the way he hurled insults and abuse angered all within earshot. It soon became clear that our open-back truck, that would have provided the disco music for a party and a platform for speeches in the park, was to be forcefully confiscated and the driver arrested. We then realised it would be a mistake for us to enter Hyde Park at all. At the front of the march, I remember a few split seconds of initial doubt that we'd be able to do it. And then, in perfect, bold, spontaneous unison, at our success in breaking through the cordon of the police across College Street, we shouted, On to King's Cross! With an exhilarating surge of energy, we turned from College Street into William Street. Propelled onwards with hundreds joining in behind us, we turned left into Darlinghurst Road, into the heart of King's Cross. We were sick and tired of being criminalised, pathologised, demonised of being made to hide who we were and having our rights to live as human beings denied. Sing if you're glad to be gay Sing if you're happy that way Hey, sing if you're glad to be gay That night, we were in the streets and we were determined to get our message to as many people as possible. After marching down Oxford Street and seeing our numbers swell as many people came out of the coffee shops, bars and hotels to join us, now we wanted to call on everybody in the cross to listen to our chants and come out and support us as well. We chanted, Out of the bars and into the streets! We wanted the whole world to hear our cries for freedom from the oppression that characterised our lives. In numbers, suddenly, wonderfully, we were unafraid. Here, there was a direct parallel with Stonewall, for, as with the NYPD, the New South Wales police force faced an unexpected and vigorous resistance. As determined as they were to put us back in our closets, there was no stopping us. Now, we were coming out, and now we had straight people willing to join in and support us. In Darlinghurst Road in King's Cross, we were cut off and ambushed with hundreds of police, with dozens of wagons blocking us in front and from behind. These were critical moments because in truth, the crowd most likely would have dispersed at this point. Yet the real violence was about to begin. 
It was there in Darlinghurst Road that we faced the most brutal onslaught of the whole night. The police, arriving in numbers, took advantage of the semi-darkness of the night, unleashing a reckless and ugly attack on the marchers. They acted as if they had a licence to inflict as much injury as they could, and I feared there'd be dead bodies everywhere if they had guns in those paddy wagons and were to open fire. Despite that fear, we did not run. We fought back, resisting arrest as the police wielded their heavy batons indiscriminately. The more we were assaulted, the more we resisted. The group solidarity had taken hold as we tried to stand our ground, rescuing brothers and sisters from the clutches of the police as they were being forced into paddy wagons. I distinctly remember the way that the police near the El Alamein fountain targeted women for arrest in particular, and the smaller and more vulnerable among us. The first Mardi Gras is often described as a riot, but I didn't see it that way. It was a very defiant act of resistance that proved a turning point. We were willing to stand up, to resist. We were people too. Our sexualities may have been diverse and different, but that did not make us any less human than others. The discriminatory attitude of the police and the violence they meted out to us seem to represent in highly symbolic and condensed form the very pain, humiliation and suffering that society as a whole constantly inflicted on us as lesbians and gay men. More than 50 people were arrested for offences arranging from offensive behaviour to hindering police. Some 53 men and women were arrested all of whom had their names and occupations subsequently published in the Sydney Morning Herald. Many lost their jobs or housing as a result. Gail Hewison, one of the women detained, described to me the whole experience of being locked up without charge as one of shock and trauma. She had all her possessions taken away from her, including her glasses. She told me she could hear the sounds of a man being horribly beaten in another cell. Then, after a while, she also began to hear the supportive chants of the crowds gathering outside. In front of the police station, close to Oxford Street and Taylor Square, where the march had started hours earlier, battered and bruised, hundreds of us gathered in an enraged state, shouting, Let them free! We continued the refrains from our earlier chants. Two, four, six, eight, gay is just as good as straight. Looking out at the angry crowd, the police inside the station must have been apprehensive about what would happen next. They were greatly outnumbered, and for some moments as we inched closer and closer, you could sense an urge on the part of the crowd to take over the police station, to demand the jailer's keys, and so to release our brothers and sisters. Over the years, I've often wondered why we didn't storm the building then and there. Strangely, after a short period of silence, somebody started to sing and the whole crowd joined in. We shall not, we shall not be We shall not, we shall not be just like a tree that's planted by the water. We shall not we're fighting for our children. We shall not be moved. 
reflecting on this now, I'd like to think that, despite the provocation on that night itself and the centuries of violence that had been perpetrated upon us, we as a collective knew instinctively that violence was one of our main grievances and we had a mission to resist it and fight against violence using other means. Someone in the crowd cried out, I'm a lawyer. Are there any other lawyers or solicitors here? We need to raise bail money. The campaign to win the legal battles was now well underway, culminating in 1984 when homosexuality was decriminalised in the New South Wales Parliament. This brief narrative of the first Mardi Gras is told because the events of that night, their causes and repercussions, can now be placed in clearer historical perspective, and they help us to understand why keeping politics at the centre of the annual Mardi Gras is so important. As Dennis Altman pointed out in his book, The End of the Homosexual, it was the precise timing of the Mardi Gras leading to the decriminalisation of homosexuality in New South Wales in 1984 that ultimately helped save thousands of Australian lives in the HIV epidemic that hit Sydney hard in 1985. The epidemic could only have been handled as effectively as it was because decriminalisation and critical bipartisan cross-party political support resulted in more openness and less stigma. The old days of identity politics are now gone, and labels are eschewed in these times where the fluidity of sexuality is recognised and better understood. But the struggle is not over. In 2013, we witnessed the arrest of a young teenager at the Mardi Gras parade, who was assaulted and abused in ways reminiscent of 1978. Again, the police were not held accountable for their actions. Young people are still ending their lives because of the pain and homophobia they experience. If there's a timely lesson for the police here, it's in the need for an authentic engagement with minority groups where honesty and respect replace suspicion and contempt. We can celebrate just how far LGBTIQ people in New South Wales have come and the dramatically improved community attitudes towards them. And we can welcome and applaud the contingent of the New South Wales Police Service marching in the annual parade. But we do need to resist attempts to whitewash our history, and we need to make sure we do not lose the memories of our earlier struggles. The thousands of people who took part in mass public demonstrations between June and November 1978, demanding basic rights for sexual minorities, became known as the 78ers. In 2015, there was a motion at Sydney Town Hall calling for an official apology to the 78ers for the violence of that night in June 1978. This motion was strongly supported by out lesbian elder and Deputy Lord Mayor Robin Chemis, who died in 2015. We owe a debt to her work and that of people such as Steve Warren, one of the original 78ers, who worked tirelessly for an apology. That Sydney City Council action prompted a small bipartisan group of New South Wales state parliamentarians to take up the call for an official apology. Sitting in the public gallery of the New South Wales State Legislative Assembly, listening to speech after wonderful speech, acknowledging the 78ers' contribution to social change, I felt like raising a clenched fist and for a few surreal moments, imagined we were taking a stand again 
and smashing through and overturning the very symbolic centre that represented the heavy weight of many centuries of oppressive British colonial and Australian judicial power. For the mistreatment you suffered that evening as a member of this parliament who oversaw the events of that night, I apologise and I say sorry. As a, member, as a member of the parliament which dragged its feet in the decriminalisation of homosexual acts, I apologise and say I'm sorry. And as a proud gay man and member of this par parliament offering this apology, I say thank you. The actions you took on 24th of June 1978 have been vindicated. Uh, this morning I spoke with our Commissioner and I have his full support in saying that the New South Wales Police Force is sorry. Sorry for the way that the Mardi Gras was policed on the first occasion in 1978. And for that, we apologise. We also acknowledge the pain and hurt that the police actions caused at that event in 1978. Sadly, the New South Wales government apology came too late for so many who were present at that first Mardi Gras and are no longer with us. Many were cut down before their time in the HIV AIDS epidemic. The efforts of those New South Wales parliamentarians, though, are important and mean a great deal to the 78ers who survive. Back in 1978, we called in vain, for a royal commission into the police violence of that June night. We also called for an apology from Fairfax for publishing the names, occupations and addresses of all of the 53 people who were arrested that night. Fairfax finally did apologise in February 2016. These apologies did help to heal some wounds. But apologies like these need to be living apologies. A living apology is one which affirms the need for ongoing vigilance so that the human rights of LGBTIQ people are respected and protected in law. A living apology is one which affirms the need for ongoing social investment in educational programs that create more inclusive communities, where differences are respected and where the power of diversity is celebrated. In the current international climate, with the re-emergence of fascist threats from all sides, there are too few places in the world that offer the hope of this kind of open society. Sydney, and Australia more broadly, could represent this kind of inclusive society. It will be a society where the role of police is to protect and even champion the rights of minorities. It's wonderful that the annual event of the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras has survived these 40 years and is still going strong. At the time, in June 1978, I could not comprehend or imagine the lasting real significance of that peaceful nighttime celebration and march that turned into a riot. I know I was traumatised. And I know I felt an energy and courage I didn't know I had when amidst all the mayhem and chaos, we stood up to the police and fought back. In fact, at the time, I thought it was a great defeat for all of us involved in the gay liberation movements, because it was clear that the state wanted to crush us that Saturday night in King's Cross. 
There's no other way to explain the ferocity of the brutal attack by the New South Wales police. They were determined to keep us hidden and marginalised, living lives in the shadows like gay people, lesbians and other sexual minorities had for centuries. The joy I get now at Mardi Gras time in Sydney is seeing young queer people growing up in a new century where they face far less imposed guilt, shame and stigma than we had to endure growing up in the 1960s and 70s. Forty years on, I can see that the remarkable lesson learnt for oppressed minorities is that there comes a time when enough is enough. For gay people in the USA, it was at Stonewall in June 1969. In Australia, it was in King's Cross in June 1978. For us in Australia, not a lot is known of the period between June and November 1978 in Sydney, when thousands of people were involved in mass civil unrest. There were many large protest marches in the city at that time, demanding basic rights for sexual minorities. The solidarity that was forged around the initial campaign to release the 53 marchers unlawfully arrested on the night of the riot grew into an effective campaign to decriminalise homosexuality later achieved in New South Wales in 1984. Looking ahead, I don't buy into the trope that we can relax and assume that things will progressively improve. In fact, this kind of thinking can be fatal. None of us in the 70s could ever have imagined that the HIV-AIDS epidemic would soon be upon us. Nor could we have imagined the day in federal parliament in November 2017 when with thousands of Australians watching on TV, marriage equality was passed into law. What a day. What a day for love, for equality, for respect. Freedom has been and remains an impossibility for queer people around the world. We need more honest dialogue between the older and younger generations, and particularly dialogue across the cultural boundaries of LGBTIQ people. There is a lot we can learn from each other as the struggles continue. Today's episode of Essays on Air was edited by Sibylla Gross with help from Wes Mountain. We've used music in this episode from Mavis Staples, Tom Robinson, David Setse and Poddington Bear. You can see a full list of audio and editing credits on our website at theconversation.com.